0: Welcome
1: to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We'll talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening!
0: What's up, friends and family, and happy Friday. Welcome to your favorite podcast. We talk about the Bible and all kinds of fun stuff. Today we're looking at Luke chapter 8. And uh, I guess before we dive into verse 1, We actually want to jump ahead a couple verses.
1: Let's jump and dive. To
0: to talk, jump and dive, slip and slide.
1: Turning, opening. (laughs) Um,
0: To talk about like the purpose of a parable. What is it? Because I I think if you go down to like verse, what is it, like nine through 15 or so, Mm -hmm. the disciples are like, hey, look, Jesus, you've done this to us a few times now. You told us these kind of riddles, these almost like tricky sayings, and we're trying to make Mm -hmm. sense of them. And like, what are we supposed to do with parables? And parables are earthly sayings, again, that have heavenly meanings. Uh, Jesus uses language in parables that everyone can understand and relate to, like dirt and air, water, rain, sunlight, coins, lamps, like this kind of stuff, um, to communicate kingdom of God truths. And I heard one pastor once call parables like a doorway, and how... you have to enter into this door and it's for the spiritually sensitive. It's for those who are seeking God, those who are wondering mm. and want to know. And when they seek the the meaning of a parable, which is different from an allegory in that a parable usually has just one main point.
1: And they mm. find
0: that key. They're able to open that door and enter into the, this realm of truth. Like mm. what Jesus is trying to teach them about loving your neighbor or, um, clinging to the word of God
1: mm-hmm. and not
0: other things whatever so that's what the, the disciples are are being good students because they're asking jesus um the questions and there's no dumb or stupid question it's like hey we don't get this
1: yeah tell us more
0: tell us more how are we supposed to make sense of this mm-hmm. and that's again the purpose of a parable and so if there are times you're reading this and you're a little perplexed don't be discouraged that it's confusing keep asking keep your digging. questions yeah. keep digging because that's what god wants you to do
1: well another thing too because jesus at this time he's like making waves already And so another just interesting Mm -hmm. like side of the coin is when you tell a story in the way of a parable, the Pharisees and other leaders like weren't able to come against Jesus per se for saying like one really distinct truth. Like I'm Lord of the Sabbath. Like he said that uh, a couple chapters ago, but when he talks in parables, there's this deep truth in there. And because he's not really like, obviously coming out and saying something distinct and direct, then it was harder for them to like charge or come against him too. Mm -hmm. And so interesting how like really the, the language and the type of the way that he's talking is like, it's so woven into the fabric that like Clark's saying, like you have to like continue to seek and dig and find like, and that's so purposeful so that the people that are coming after Jesus will keep missing it. And the people who are longing for Jesus will find it. And mm-hmm. so, it, yeah, so let's dive in, let's dive and jump into the <laughs> that's our word parable. Today. Yeah. Do you want to, do you want to sit here in 15, 9 to 15? Or you want to yeah, move well, on? Yeah,
0: I think <laughs> just looking at the parable of the, of the soils is okay. really important mm-hmm. because that's all of us. Um, mm-hmm. You want to read verses five through eight?
1: Five through eight. Yes. Okay. This is the NIV guys. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the year ate it up. Some fell on the rock, and when it came up, the plants withered, because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it, and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who, hear, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Mm. So Mm. what's
0: interesting to me about this parable is that the seed is the same, the sower Mm. is the same, the one key um, variable that changes is the soil and the quality of the soil. And so Mm -hmm. the question the reader should be asking is, which one am I? And one of the kind of odd words in here that I just haven't paid attention to before is dealing with the moisture of the soil. I was always just kind of focusing on, like, Satan taking it or someone having good soil and doing this. And the reason why I'm looking at this is because I actually recently read a Charles Spurgeon quote, who's a famous Reformed theologian and pastor, dealing with moisture. At the end Mm -hmm. of verse 6, it says, uh, the seed that fell on the rocky ground when it came Mm -hmm. up, it withered because it had no moisture. And evidently he was talking to his church about what this meant. And some of the examples, he said, like, what does it mean to have uh, no moisture in our soil, like the soil of our heart?" Yeah. This is a list that Spurgeon gave. He said, if you have doctrine without feeling, you lack moisture. Hmm. Or if you have experience without, like, humiliation, um, people coming against you for being a Christian, he said, you lack moisture. Or you're practicing something, but without heart love. It's insensitive. You're, you're going through the motions and you're following the rules, but your heart's not engaged. Hmm. That lacks moisture. Faith without repentance confidence without reservation, action without spirituality. We're just doing all these spiritual things, but there's no relationship with God. Zeal without communion. So he has this long list. Hmm. He was pressing into his church saying, think for a moment. And and are we lacking moisture? Because there are things that might appear to be spiritual, but in fact, lack relationship with God that cause us to not really cling to his word and allow that, that word to take root deep Mm -hmm. in our heart. And obviously it's, it's, Partnering with the, the Spirit. And so, one of the mm-hmm. things that I'm asking myself when I read this is, How do I um, cultivate in my heart a soil that is rich and ready for God and His Word? And I think that comes with um, attention and focus and preparation. Because when I eliminate distractions from my life, like I do, I try to do this every morning before I look at my mm-hmm. phone or email or anything else, sports. I say, good morning, God. And I sit before him with the word and say, what do you have for me today and my family in your word? And so before you get to anything else, any other motivations, anything that might pull your emotions or distract you or get you thinking about later on in the day, it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to start my day with you. What do you have? Mm -hmm. And you end the day with the Lord. And it's focusing on him. Or like Saturday night, don't stay up till midnight. Don't go out drinking and partying and getting crazy. Then you're going to show up to church and your heart's going to be, dry. It's, it's not going to be having that moisture. The pre- sermon's going to be preached. You're going to maybe having a headache or, you know, thinking about what are we supposed Honestly? to do today? Because I wasn't mm-hmm. prepared yesterday. I stayed up too late. I didn't get the food ready or, Oh, I forgot the mm-hmm. laundry. Got to go to target. And, and the word just passes us by. And so I'm trying to think through practically, mm-hmm. how can I partner with the Holy spirit who ultimately does this work mm-hmm. and create a soil in my heart that is got good moisture that will allow the word to take mm-hmm. because also, then, there's the, the ruler of the air, the prince of the air, Satan, who mm-hmm. who is openly trying to snatch this word away from us, mm-hmm. doesn't want us to have it, and it's us following Jesus, keeping a repentant heart and saying, God, do a work in my heart because I want this word to stick. Mm-hmm. I want to cling. And sometimes it's not like a profound, oh, yeah. moment that like you're totally moved and your life's flipped upside down, but it might just be a good reminder. Mm-hmm. It might just be... You know, that solid, hey, like this is grace. This is faith. This mm-hmm. is who God is. This is who I am. Here's my sin. Here's what God does with my sin. I don't yeah. know. But that's kind of going back to the parable of the soil. And the soils are the variables that change, not the seed and not the sower. So mm-hmm. how can we prepare our heart to to take in God's word?
1: Well, I, that's good. Let's just sit on that. We don't even need to go through the rest of the chapter. What's coming through my mind as with the parable of the sower is a few years ago, Emmanuel, um, I was doing VP three. Emmanuel still has VP three groups. Um, if you're interested during, I think when there's, when there's interest, there is groups that do it. And it's a really rich study that is a lot of work, but it's really rich. Anyway, one of the examples that they gave was there's a family in the Midwest that are part of the VP three, um, family, and they have this acreage and they're trying to bring the acreage back to like the original grass oh, and yeah. you know of of the prairie of the prairie so they're not farming it they're not like you know doing soybean or corn or anything like that they're literally just trying these indigenous species to get it back to what it was and and it's been really an interesting process. One of the things that I want to just say that came to mind in this was sometimes, so they have a a ledger where they will, you know, record the Hmm. seeds that they've planted in the spring and the fall, the year that they planted it, what it was, where, like what area it was on the acreage. Some of these seeds, you guys took four, five, six, eight years to actually like germinate and to even be visible above soil. And so what happened, they didn't realize that. They just thought, oh, those, you know, those died off or, you know, pests got them or whatever. Yeah. And no, what was happening was the seed was coming alive. It was, it was... Getting the root system going, it was having all the nutrients that it needed. It was before it popped up, and so literally they saw something. I think it was like six years, and they had to go back to the ledger and see what is this? When did we plant this? Hmm. You know, and actually go back. And so an encouragement in this is: I feel like there are folks that are just that are you know we're we're with you, Lord. Our soil's moist. You know what are and and we're just in the dark right now because we're we're underneath and we're dormant. And uh, anyway. I uh, was just encouraged by that story a few years ago, and I think maybe it might encourage someone today. Just as we're talking about plants and seeds and that kind yeah, of it thing, it takes time. It takes uh... time, and these things that we're talking about, like moist, th- these are unseen things. Many of them, like preparing mm. soil, this is mundane. This is this is unseen. Anyway, and so it's
0: vital to the success of the future of the seed yes. and the plant and the growth. Yes. Hey, what, what's that documentary you watched a couple times about that farm here in like, little, LA?
1: Little big farm
0: little big farm. What's that on Netflix?
1: No, we don't have No, what is that on?
0: Anyways, th- there's a farm here, like I don't know, towards uh, Malibu or something yeah, that they, they did a similar thing where they took how many acres was that place? I don't know. Anyways, there's a really cool property (laughs) that was just total crap and barren, like literally like (laughs) cracky dirt ground. And these people went through and they tried to figure out in this ecosystem what's natural to it. And they flip it and it's really cool. So
1: look it up. Anyways. You make me laugh. We'll keep going here. Okay, let's keep going.
0: Yes. What, uh... What else do we have in this chapter? Well,
1: I was more and more of what's kind of sticking out to me is toward the end of the chapter, okay. like after verse so we forty. We have a lamp and wanna, stand. Yeah. We have
0: Jesus' mother and his brothers. Ah, fun facts here: Jesus' mother and his brothers. Joseph's not mentioned here, sadly, so he evidently is mm-hmm. dead at this point. But not sure what happened to him. But Jesus has siblings, obviously half siblings, but he has siblings, and he's mm-hmm. got unnamed sisters, and he's got multiple brothers. And what's interesting about the brothers, I haven't written down. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if they are um, Judas, Joseph or Joseph, James, and the last one I think is Simon. And what's so interesting is these brothers didn't believe in him. Like you want to talk right. about pain? His own. They grew brothers, up with yeah. Jesus, and all of a sudden he's again claiming to be God. Mm-hmm. And you think that Mary and Joseph, when he was around, would have told them? Um, mm-hmm. like hey, what? Yeah. yeah, hey, just so you know, like he, your brother here is kind of special, but they didn't believe it in him t- until he he dies and resurrects. Then all of a sudden they realize, oh my, he he he's the real deal. And so Judas changes his name to Jude, and he writes the book of Jude in the Bible. That's Jesus' half brother. Mm-hmm. And then James is also Jesus' half brother, and he writes the book of James. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. That, uh that's what's interesting to me. And sorry about that. One of, one of our little ones is having a hard time staying asleep, so Bobby's going to go take care of that. I'll, you're stuck with me the rest of the way, all right? So buckle up, folks. Um, When you keep going through this, what, what's interesting is how Jesus redefines family then. Yeah, he has some unnamed sisters. He has some brothers. But he's encouraging the people, saying, I'm going to consider you my family. Uh, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Like, how profound is that for those of us who long for family and long for belonging, which really is all of us. Um, The next pericope here is Jesus calms the storm. What's so interesting about this, and just in my reading today, is that word rebuke. It's a really strong word. Like, Jesus chastised, rebuked the the weather, the elements. You think he could have just got up and said quietly, peace be still, or wind and waves, calm down. But he rebukes it with strong authority. And you just wonder, like, what was happening there? As you talk about the parable of the sower, you have Satan who's trying to take away the seed. I wonder to what extent Satan can control the elements. And maybe he saw this as an opportunity to like, hey, I got Jesus and all of his little followers on one boat. Let's take him out. Let's make big waves and big wind and end this thing right now. And Jesus simply rebukes it and says, no. Like, just just a curious thought. But the one story I want to end on is the end of the chapter. If you have a Bible that has subtitles, it's entitled Jesus Restores a Demon-Possessed Man. And so the summary of this story is there's a man who's been in this area for a long time, and he's possessed by demons, and he's out there wearing little to no clothes, and he's lived among the tombs, and he's really evidently causing a ruckus. And Jesus comes, and they bump into each other. Jesus eventually calls the demons out and the demons ask for permission after they've been named Legion and are cast out and they go into a herd of pigs and the herd of pigs runs down the hill and drowns. Then the people from the town come and can't understand, like, one, the power of God, but two, like, why he did this. And then they ask Jesus to leave. So just a couple of thoughts here. One, regarding evil. Evil is evil. There's demonic forces in our world, You're not meant to be scared by this. It's just a reality. You were born into it. And Satan and his minions have no good intentions. They are here to kill, steal, and destroy. And anybody that follows Jesus has a target on their back. And so not only did Jesus like, hey, I'm going to cast you out of this man. They're like, let us go into the pigs and kill the pigs. Not just, hey, let's go float around the air and hang out. They're looking for another place to come and destroy and to wreak havoc. And so, like, okay, this is real. The spiritual battle we're in is real. And then legion is many. A legion in the time of, like, the Roman soldiers, I I think was 6,000 soldiers was legion. So I'm not sure if this is a play on words, like, hey, the demons just saying we're many, or if there was 6,000 demons in this man. No one knows for sure, but identifies as legion. And why did Jesus let them go into the pigs? Well, I think it's twofold. One, Jesus is allowing people to see the magnitude of the spiritual realm. He's reminding them and showing them the power that's at play, even though our eyes can't necessarily see it. And what was in this man, Jesus, in his authority and in his love, set him free. And so when the pigs run down, they they die. One, the man's now restored back to community. He's restored and people can see clearly there was a night and day difference. There was a significant change in this man. But what's so interesting to me after this is that the people tell Jesus to leave. And I get that there might be some like confusion or pain, especially on a farmer who just lost all of his pigs. But when you're looking at the power of God, they ask him to leave. It doesn't seem like they were too worried about the demonic man who had been there for a long time. So I don't know if they were they were familiar with this demon guy. I don't know if they asked him to leave. But they we know for sure they did ask Jesus to leave. And so one of the questions that was kind of percolating in my heart when I read this is, are you and I more afraid of what Jesus might do in our lives than what Satan is already doing at the moment? Like, in what ways are we scared of getting out of our comfort zone and truly following Jesus and truly engaging, and entering into the spiritual war, where we just say, "Hey, God, not today. I'll just stay in what's familiar, what's comfortable." And you know, if there might be some kind of oppression or just warfare here. Whatever, you know, I'm used to it. I'm praying that our hearts would change. Like God, grip our hearts and keep our eyes on You, so that we would know Your love, Your redemp, Your redeeming touch, but also Your power and Your authority, because we're not meant to live with any kind of evil. Causing problems or oppressing or possessing people we love and we know, or maybe even ourselves, and so again, clearly scripture lays out Christians cannot be possessed, we can all can be oppressed and and um you know attacked or harassed by evil ones, but when you have the love and the touch of Jesus here, it's powerful, and when there's darkness and that light comes on, that light is stronger than the darkness, and so I'm not sure what you're going through in your life or if you know somebody that's battling stuff, but my prayer is that you and I would not be afraid of what God's going to do in our life, but we'd step into that courageously and say, God, I'm here. I'm ready to rock and roll. What do you want to do? Use my life, our marriage, our family, my job, my, my school class, my studies for your glory. Let's go. Let's step into that darkness because that's why we're here the kingdom of God would shine that light into the dark places of this world. And so as you hang with family this holiday season, as you interact with people at work and Christmas parties, I'm praying God would use you. All right. So, hey, again, on behalf of Bobby and myself, thanks for sticking around for kind of a lengthy podcast as uh, the book of Luke has so many good things to talk and discuss. And ultimately, we're praying that God would be glorified and worshiped as, uh, as you read the scriptures. All right. God bless you. And we look forward to seeing you on Sunday.